We have the man himself, James Tyndale. The hardest graft I've probably ever done is doing my hair. It's all kicking off. I'm like, what the Oh, I best get down here. So I run down the stairs. James splits them all. He's like a superman with that comb over. If you had asked me at school what my life was going to be, I would have went, oh, I'm going to be a joiner. When I was younger, when I was very young, I was really shy. My dad's had a cardiac arrest. He's a major heart attack. Like, it's still so raw. I mean, the path that I've went down, it's worked for me because I've stayed grounded, sort of person that I am. Like, I haven't got big for my boots. Do you remember the, the first wage packet you got from the show? Some of the other cast were like, on the dole and that, before they didn't Geordie Shaw. I just think nothing's out of reach. Like, your dreams are never big enough. But what are some of the most ridiculous sums you've had offered for branding? Um... First things first, guys, before we get started with this podcast, do me a solid favour. And subscribe to this on whatever platform you're listening to it right now. Whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I'd appreciate if you just hit that subscribe button. And it lets me know that the content that I'm putting out for you guys is hitting your ears at the right time. Much love. This podcast is sponsored by contentremoval.com. So whether you're looking to remove any images, videos, search results, fake Instagram accounts, get in touch with us at contentremoval.com. Welcome back to the Newcastle episode of the Frankie Lee podcast. And today we have the man himself, James Tyndale. 10 years on reality TV, mate. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the tune. Welcome to the tune, yeah, mate. Cheers for having us, mate. <laughs> cheers mate, for having us. Been looking forward to this. Yeah, it's been, it's been a long time coming. Isn't it? How, many, how long have we talking about this for? A couple of months now. But you've been dotting off to Dubai and Australia and stuff. Normally it's me dotting around the world, so I was—I've been a bit jealous, like because I had to wait for you to come to Newcastle, mate. Mate, what a location! Thank you for sorting this out for us. But, mate, I think the best place for us to start with you is obviously like everyone knows you from Geordie Shore, and obviously you blew up over the last ten years in reality TV, everything you've been doing. But I, I really want people to understand more about you and how you started, and obviously your child and stuff. What was it like for you growing up in Newcastle and obviously getting getting things started off? Um, I would say I've had a really good like upbringing. My childhood, um, it's it's been unreal, really. Everything I've done, I haven't got no regrets in life over any of the stages, really. So, grew up in Newcastle city centre, place called Gosforth, with my mum and dad. Um, lived there for years. So, my mum and dad were, um, like I've come from a background where my mum and dad have been grafters. So my mum and dad had fruit and veg shops and stalls and stuff. So they used to work there. Like me and my brother, I've got an older brother. We used to go into work with them, go down the markets and help out. And from a young age, that was always like the way we were brought up. Like we always knew we had to work for stuff. Like my mum and dad done, done pretty well for themselves. But it was always like, if you want anything in life, you've got a graft for us. Like this is, this is the way we do it and stuff. And, um, it was just it was a nice upbringing, really. I suppose it's real around here. It's real like working class type yeah. upbringing, in it like everyone everyone mucks oh, in together. I think especially obviously before then there was no Instagram, there was no anything. So if anyone wanted to do well for themselves, they had to really graft and get their hands dirty. Because this this is we are literally in the part of the world where you have to go and earn every pound note that you get. Yeah, like, a lot of people don't realize that. It doesn't, <laughs> money money money's been like. A thing here that's hard to come by. It's not as easy to come by up here, is it? Yeah, when you look at places like London and and other places like that, it's yeah, completely different. Do you think when you were brought up on these market stalls and stuff like that, do you think that's how you got 
your character into into like so you yeah. could talk to as many people as you talk to and yeah. the way that you communicate because I see I see when you're out and about and obviously the way that me and you have always been you've always been someone who's been able to talk have banter you always yeah. no matter what's going on in your life you always carry 100%. some joy I definitely think a lot of my personalities come down to my family for like my mum and dad for the way they've been like we've always had a bit of banter with customers and back and forth like it's never been a quiet household so like even like me and my dad's relationship were like best mates rather than just like dad and son. So I've always had banter. Same with my mom. Like me and my mom. When I was younger, me and my mom used to actually argue a lot. But um, I was always back and forth like that. But when I was younger, when I was very young, I was really shy. So it's it's crazy how I've went from when I started like nursery and like the preschools. The, like until I, I think until I was about ten, I was quite shy. Um, and once I got obviously confident in myself and stuff and then I would say when I got to about 14, 15 I really come out my shell and I was always like had to be in on everything like I didn't like before I'd like my own space whereas after that I had to be like in the party I had to be having all the conversations and I, I could just never imagine you as, as shy mate like, cause it, it's weird I've done like a full 360 so when I was younger I was dead shy and I was chubby. And then I, when I got to my teens and I started getting to the gym, started getting in better shape, um, I found my confidence. And then like over the years, like bantering with my dad and my mates and that, I just become really, really confident. And like now I could go and have a conversation with anyone. I know at one point in Jolie Shaw, we actually got booked. There was three of us to do a, a talk at Cambridge University. So we had to go down there, I think I was like 22, 23 at the time, and sit and talk to a, a massive room full of people. And like then, so to most people, that would be an absolute nightmare, wouldn't it, public speaking? But you were just like, yeah, just whatever. Like When, when I get asked to do any public speaking, obviously you get a little bit of nerves in your belly yeah. like before you go and do it. But then yeah. when you, once you start talking and once you start getting into flow, you kind of think, well, this is what I'm here for. Yeah. Is it similar to you? you've got to be a certain type of person to do them sort of things. Like, I feel like we're the same. Like, I knew when we were going to do this podcast, we would never struggle for conversation because we'd both just go and go and go and go and go. We'll have to probably set a timer. Yeah, it be. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be here for a week. <laughs> Mate, we've got time. But I want to um, go go more into this you find in the gym obviously when you when you're a kid and you're that overweight kid was it a struggle for you were you getting was there any like teasing bullying all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff going on because kids are the worst like i've i've been i've seen all sides of it like i've been in the position where people have had to go at me for when i was younger they used to tease for being overweight and stuff or kids will always find something to have a go at other kids for and then i've also been in the groups where i've seen other people having goes at other kids as well so I just think it's it's that age, isn't it? And then I think you grow out of it, don't you? But I remember years ago when I was overweight and that, I used to be like, I need to do something about this. And then I started, um, it was before the internet was even massive then. There was dial-up broadband and that. You know, then you that little get, phone number. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so there was no like podcast, there was no YouTube, there was nothing like that. So I used to go and buy the, the, the magazines, you know, the men's fitness. Like Muscle and, and Fitness. Yeah, I used to buy their magazines and I used to look and think, Right, this is the way I need to be. Like, I need to get myself in shape, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I remember a few years, it was about 2015, I actually I had a four-page spread in one of their magazines. So, like, yeah. So, 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 so it come, like, full circle yeah. for you. So that, so do, do you reckon then that was partly down to you visioning that when you were a child? 100%. Because I used to think about it all the time. 
I used to be like, right, I'm going to get in shape. I know it's going to open doors for us. I know it's going to get us this, that, whatever. I'm going to be a lot more attractive to people. So I'm going to get more girls. I'm going to get more opportunities. Um, and that was like a focus for a while. And But it opened more doors than, us, than just obviously looking good. Like I felt like when I was going for job interviews before, obviously getting on Geordie Shaw, and even down to getting on Geordie Shaw, a lot of that was down to how I looked, how I come across how confident I was, how I could have a conversation with people. And I think if I hadn't have done all that and I'd have just kept in my lane and being shy and timid, I wouldn't have experienced anything that I have in life. Like, is, is so that, I think that was a really big opening point for me to kind of like drive forward for the rest of how, how I've got on. Is that your first key fundamental then that you give this audience then to say like, you know, just before you start doing anything else, just get yourself in, sh- in the right physical shape first. Yeah, I think for me, getting in physical shape, that that was a really big impact. And I think if you're healthy and if you're looking after yourself, then like you can you can do anything. That they're, they're some of the, the first points you should look at, yeah. Getting your mind in check, getting your body in shape, looking after yourself. Like, you've only got one body. If you're going to, like, like mis- misuse this, then... You're gonna, you're gonna struggle left, with yeah. everything else, yeah. But getting in shape, how long a period of time was that for you? Because obviously, you started in the gym when you were yeah. what? I started in the gym. I remember me and my mate used to actually get the bus from school. So we used to leave school, we used to jump on the bus and go to the gym. But back then, it was like the gyms were like sawdust and heavy, rusty weights, and there were nothing like they were now. You wouldn't see a girl in the gym either, it was just big blokes. Um, and we started going there just after school a few days of the week and we, we we loved it like and I think in the space of about a year I made good change but then from the from the point of leaving school taking it more seriously up until maybe 2021 completely changed like I was doing jobs around Newcastle where I worked with my top off so I was in bars like this was a thing years ago you used to work in bars and they used to hire like um, lads and lasses so the lads used to walk around with tops off and would be serving people drinks and the girls would be wearing bikinis and stuff. Like, that's not a thing now either. No, no, no. So, like, that, that was, for me, it was, like, oh, yeah, I'm getting shape and then I can make a bit extra money by doing this. And, and it was just the kind of the path that I went down. I, rem- I remember the days when that was yeah. rife, mate. Like, do you know what I mean? You used like, to have, like, spray paint on your body with signs and stuff on, but we used to do the, the best nightclubs, especially living in Newcastle. Like, the nightlife in Newcastle, it's always been mint. But, like... Back then, it was just next level. I did the old um, butler in the old buff butler thing. in the buff, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah with, the, with, the, with the little penny yeah. on it. And, and the, We've the, done plenty of that on the show as well. Like, yeah. um, it's always been just like offered to us, really. Like, oh, do you want to do this job? Or oh, you're in shape? Would you like to come and do this job? So, back then, with us not being shy, I'd be like, yeah, how much am I getting? 30 quid. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, th- I, think, <laughs> I think the best I got was £50 an hour. <laughs> like, it's, it's terrible when you think about it because you're getting violated at the end of oh, the day. Like, you're massive, getting violated. Massively. But then I remember meeting a couple of the other lads. We started doing that. Then we started working in the bars doing, like, shots. So we were selling shots. Um, and I remember then, I was like, because at the time I was an apprentice. I was doing joinery when I left school. So I was working on site with that and I was getting, like, minimum pay. I think I was... I, I think at the time I was getting about 60 quid a week and then I started working these bars and then I remember I was I was making 150 pound a night 200 pound a night 
And then we started getting savvy with it and we started bringing what one bottles in on the slice. Yeah. And then when, when we sold them bottles, we kept like all of the money for that as well. So we were all just a bit like, and then, we were making a fortune. Like, back, in, back in the day when they were a pound a shot. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, they were, yeah. And we would sell, like, I remember at the time I would sell six or seven bottles of like Sours and Sambuca and stuff. And it was, it was just all mental. cash money. Just all cash. Yeah. Had a little pouch on stuffing it in. If the um, tax man's listening, that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, do you know what? I was, I was, um, I actually got sacked from that job because I started that when I was 17 and obviously to work in a bar, you meant to be 18, but I lied. But because I was like big for my age and stuff, I got the job at 17. It's, it's mental, mate. Yeah. But but I've, I've always been, I know on Jory Shaw, I said in my opening line, I was like the hardest craft I've ever done is my hair. But it never was really because, like, even when I was fourteen and that, I was doing paper rounds and um, saving my pocket money. I was doing different bits, selling bits at school, and that to always have have more money. But you're also doing an apprenticeship, right? Yeah, I was doing an apprenticeship. So yeah, you you were doing carpentry during apprenticeship. So you started yeah. what sixteen years old? I started at fifteen because my birthday is in August, so I left school really young. And I went straight into that, yeah. I, I, I did 15, the, 16 years old. I, I did the same apprenticeship. Did like, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it, yeah. It's interesting that you started off as a carpenter and joiner as well. Like, yeah. and, and it does it does teach you a lot. Like, I don't regret doing that. No. It was, I couldn't imagine myself staying at school and, and doing A-levels no. and going through all that drama and trying, to, and trying to do all that kind of stuff. I think, I think fundamentally, I don't know if it was the same for you, but by being a carpenter and joiner, it... it it, it teaches you a lot about life a little bit quicker and it also teaches Absolutely. you about, you know, the the, the relevance of applied graft over yeah. time. Do you know yeah, what I'm saying? I know as well, for me at school, I struggled to concentrate on a lot of stuff, but the only thing that I actually enjoyed doing was physical things. So like, um, I was doing woodwork at school. I loved that. So that was the main reason I got into that. So there was that and I think there was art. They were the two only subjects that I liked. Every other subject... Like um, religious education, I got kicked out of that for being disruptive. I got kicked out of science classes because I was running around with like Bunsen burners and just being in, being a. a, a Those Bunsens were lethal. Yeah, I was I was awful at school, and like my teachers would have said that. Like they used to say to me, "Do you know what, James? Unless you book your ideas up, you're not going to achieve anything in life." And until like I was in my last year, I actually didn't care. And then in the last year, I was like, "Oh well, if I want to go to college, then I need to be able to get like." I need to get these results, I need to do this. And then I actually like cracked on a bit just to get that so I could go to college. Um, but before that, I just didn't, I couldn't concentrate, I didn't care. Did you ever take part in any sports and stuff like that as well? Yeah, so I played football growing up, um, I done kickboxing. I also, with us being big when I was at school, they always wanted us on the rugby team, but I never, I, I never liked it. So I played a few games of rugby, but... I was like, this isn't for me. Like, Mate, I used to get smashed in rugby because <laughs> they used to put me on. They used were you to, like, uh, they put me on the wing, yeah, on the wing, right, yeah. on the wing. So I'm obviously like looking around, and then I'm thinking I was in the clear, and then all of a sudden, like, someone bang, yeah. cleaned up, yeah. mate, and and the pain because obviously we were always playing rugby at a time when it was like ice. The, yeah. the pitches were like ice, weren't they? You oh. hit there, it's like hitting concrete. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's just Horrible. not... Yeah, it's not, yeah. not about it. It wasn't for me, the rugby. Like, I, I sharp, I sharp forgot about that one. Like, But uh, I enjoyed football, really enjoyed that, but obviously nowhere near the level that could continue with that. And I liked my partying and stuff, so... So how long were you working as an apprentice carpenter before you started to get these, these better jobs where you started yeah. to earn real money? Um... So I started my apprenticeship, as I said, I was 15, just about to come 16. 
And I'd done that for, I would say, maybe three years. And then at then, so, yeah, when I, when I was about 17, 18, that's when I started working in the bars. And then I'd changed jobs a couple of times. I'd been doing kitchen fitting. I tried loft conversions. I was doing that. <laughs> but the, the, the lads used to have, have my life because I used to... The second fixed joinery I loved, but the first fix when you're crawling around in the fiberglass and that, I'd go down and I'd have a wash in that, and they'd be like, "Oh, you just just leave it on that." But I was into my image in that then, and I hated being dirty, so I knew straight away that wasn't for me. So then I started working in the bars for the extra money, um, and then at the time, my dad set up a new business doing um, like transport. So then I started driving for him and delivering for him because. The hours that I actually worked for him, I was working less hours for him for more money, and then I could do my my jobs on a on a night time, or I could do all the, the clubs and that on a weekend. I think at one point I was doing like Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday in the clubs. So then I would go and work for my dad, and I was doing say five five hours a day or something like that, just delivering schools and dropping things off at hospitals and stuff. And for me, that was like I I was. I was buzzing. Just because you got to spend time with your old man as well, I think. Yeah, because I was doing that for him. And then I was like, but then I was driving the vans by myself. So I didn't necessarily feel like I had a boss. So I was like, just going around doing, doing my own, whatever. Didn't have to get told off from anyone. My dad didn't really tell us off and it was an easy job. So I cracked on with that. And then I would finish, finish work normally two, three in the afternoon, go to the gym and then come home get sorted and sometimes go and do my clubs on a night. So for me, it was perfect. Like I felt like I had the best of everything and I was making more money than I was before, obviously working on building sites, going to building sites half six in the morning in the freezing. And so that for me was like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with this now. And then I just started building. And then out of nowhere, when I was working in one of the bars, um, there was a team in and there started being a bit of a talk going around saying, oh, there's this new show coming to Newcastle. It's a bit like Jersey Shore, so they're looking for cast members and that. And I was like, "Sounds good, that way. Sounds good." But uh, I was just in one of, in one of the bars doing my shift, and a, a woman come in and she was like, "Oh, hi, blah blah blah." And I was thinking at first, I was thinking she's cracking on. Like I thought, I thought she, she was probably like, I was about no, I, well, I was nineteen when yeah. I started Jersey Shore, so I, I'd have, I'd have been eighteen, nineteen, and I thought this is just having a little go, yeah, isn't she? But she was probably about twenty six. And I was, I was entertaining and that. She was like, oh, like, once she got to know us a little bit, she was like, oh, we're actually casting for a new TV show in Newcastle and we're looking for people who we think would be a good fit for it. So, like, do you like clubbing? Like, yeah. sell yourself a little bit. So, obviously, at the time, dead confident. Had my top off, stood there, shredded. Just really sold myself. And, and then she was like, oh, yeah, really good. I was tipping shots down her neck and that, getting a mortal drunk. <laughs> and then I think, I thought nothing of it. I give her my number. A couple of days later, I got a phone call, I remember. I still remember the moment now. I was in my mum and dad's house. I was lying on my bed doing something, just on my phone. I got a phone call, and it was her, and she was like, oh, we were really impressed with you the other night. Like, we're keen to know more about you. Would you be willing to come in and do, like, a face-to-face in front of more people and stuff? And I thought, I go on then. Uh, like, at the time, I was like, I've got nothing to lose. Do you like, think that was one of the most pivotal points of your life? Massively. I still remember it to this day. Like, I went to this... I went to the Jury's Inn in Newcastle. I think you're staying there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It's mad, isn't it? Um, so I, I went there and I had to go meet this woman in reception. And I remember seeing there was a few like 
younger like lads and lasses. Some of them I knew from like around going out in Newcastle, and I was looking at them thinking, oh, I wonder if they're here for the same thing. And I uh, went up, went up the lift, got in there, and like first time I'd ever done anything in front of camera or whatever. So there was a big camera in front of us. I had to sit on a stool like this, and they were just asking us questions, and um, and I was like answering the questions and that, and they were like, I knew they liked us because they were like, give it some, basically like big yourself up. So like, oh, belly's rumbling there. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, eh, big yourself up. So I was like, right, okay, I've got now to lose. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to go for it. So I just started selling myself, like, just showing my confidence, really. Um, and they, they just loved us. They, they loved us. They were saying, like, oh, that was amazing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then they ended up picking eight of us, four girls, four lads from Newcastle. Apparently, they'd interviewed over 8,000 people, and they picked us. Wow, So man. it was just, like, at the time as well, reality TV wasn't a massive thing. There was, like, Big Brother... There was like shipwrecked and stuff like that, but there was no Love Islands, no Jolly Shores, no uh, Only Ways Essex, them sort of shows. So it was kind of like made the, in Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, it was the unknown for me. I just thought that sold it. It was as you're going to live in a house in the centre of Newcastle with seven other people. Everything's going to be paid for for three and a half weeks. I think it was, and I was like, right, sound. Like, is that, is that all it was? Three and a half. The weeks? first one was three and a half weeks, and I remember. When the tools I got on the show, it was actually when I was doing a green screen. So they got were in another time. So I think all in all, I, I went and seen them maybe three or four times. And then in the last one, it was when I was actually sat down. It's when we got with pre-titles. So they were like, oh, like say stuff about yourself. And I was like, oh, some of the stuff I said thinking about was so cringe. Like, But you had to give it the beginning. Um, and that's where I got my line from, the hardest craft, do my hair's the hardest craft I've ever done, do my hair. And that was from there. And then after that, they went, oh, just to let you know, you're on the show. And I was just like, get in. And I was like, what, what do well, I do you, now? <laughs> did, did you realise at that point, though, that your life had just changed? No, nah, absolutely not. I remember going home. As I said, I worked for my dad at the time. So I was like, dad, I need to put a holiday in. Like, I need three and a half weeks off work so I can go, go and do this show. And he was like, all oh, right, okay, no worries. Um, I'll get your shifts covered. No problem at all. Go and enjoy yourself. Um, and I went and done it. I didn't think at all many people were going to watch it. If anything, I thought it might have just been a pilot. So I thought we might have filmed it and then it might not have even made it onto TV. And then we filmed it, had the best time ever. Like some of the people, the well, majority of them I still speak to now. Like it's been a, a crazy decade with all them. And then um, I remember like coming out and being like, right, so I filmed that, that's done. And then they went, oh, we need just to come down to London. So they brought all down to London. I think I'd only been to London twice in my life at that point, like 19. Um, and they went, we need just to quit your job. Say, like, this is what you're going to do now. And we were all just like, well, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, quit with jobs? Like, And they went, no, this is what you're going to do. And they put so much promo into it. And I remember when that episode, the, the series one, the first ever episode aired, it just went mental. Even from... The day after walking down the street, like people were driving past and putting the windows down and shouting, Jory Shaw, where are you? And like, yeah. we were just like, what has actually just happened? Like, we could have never prepared ourselves for that, like, at all. Especially the level that Jory Shaw got to, like, different countries. It's, it's on in different countries with people doing voiceovers in different languages. It's like, we went from being just very normal, relatable, average people to then being in the spotlight and getting getting paid to 
to party on TV and travel the world. And honestly, it was just, you couldn't have wrote it. Like, if you had asked me at school what my life was going to be, I would have went, oh, I'm going to be a joiner or, or I'm going to have a business or something. If, if you had asked me then, I'd been like, oh, well, I'm going to go on TV and then I'm going to travel the world with it and I'm going to meet all of these amazing people. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought it would have happened because I was just a normal person. So, and it just literally came out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Like, I don't even know myself how it even happened. Like, yes, I think, I think everything happens for a reason and I do feel very lucky for the opportunities and stuff I've had. But then I do also think um, a lot of it's come down to how I am as a person and how I hold myself and how I have conversations and how I maintain relationships with people. So that that's definitely come into play as well. You've created your own luck throughout your whole life. Do yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, have and, I? And, and, and it's just because when when you meet you in real life, yeah. for the, obviously a lot of the people that listen to this won't have met you in real life like no. I have. Yeah. When you meet you in real life, it's just there's an aura of of joy about your whole life. Like yeah. you don't, you know, you might be walking around Newcastle. It might be a, a wet, cold day where a lot yeah. of people would be inward. They'd be yeah. down and like depressed about yeah. that. But you're bubbly, you're joy, and you're excited about the future and this and the other. Always, and, yeah. And it's, Always. It's, it's, it's just I think that's something that must have carried through your whole life. It has, yeah. But when I look at my family, like when I go back to that, like. My, my dad, even though he, he's done a couple of bits of TV, come on, Geordie Shaw and that, all, all the, the crew, the cast, everyone loved him. And I remember, like, because he's just from, like, a small town outside of Newcastle. And even now, when I when I go back up to, you know, like, the supermarkets, if I just nip yeah. in and get, to get them some shopping or something, they'll be like, how's your dad? Like, everyone knows him in the area. And he's just, like, one of them people that's always smiley and, gives everyone the time, time of day, like, has a laugh. Um, and I just think I've always, like, been like at myself, and I prefer it. Like, if I'm in a room and people are being negative or someone's unhappy, I'll try and turn the conversation around to make it more upbeat. Or if there's just no saving them, then I, <laughs> then I get myself out. Because I'm like, I can't have negative yeah. people around us. Yeah. Even, like, in relationships I've had over the years, like, if they're negative at all, it just puts us off them so quick. Like, yeah. I just like to be happy. I like to be just enjoying life. Well, the, thing, the thing is, when things happen in your life, yeah. they've already happened. and There's not a lot you can do to change yeah. what's already happened, right? You can only look for the best in it, right? Exactly. And a lot of people don't look for the best. They look, f- yeah. they, they look to keep compounding what's already happened. And they, yeah. they go in a constant cycle of digging it up, digging it up, digging it up. And yeah. That, you know, if you can break that mould, you can free yourself. You need to get out of it. Like, I just can't be like that. Like, I've lost, like, friendships over certain things, relationships, because of how I've always been pushing to do better and have a happy life. Like, I want to be laughing every day. I don't want to be struggling. Like, everyone's got their ups and downs. Like, I've had plenty, especially over the last few months. But I just think you've, you've got to try and live your best life. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned there about some of the ups and downs you've been through in the yeah. last ten months and before. Yeah. Before we go any further, like obviously your your dad departed the world on yeah. you know in the last last month or two. Yeah, it's a hard time for you when you're when you're so close to you know someone that you've loved all your life, and obviously your relationship with your dad is has oh, been it was incredible. S- like spoke on the phone every single day. Like used to see him all the time. Like. He was the guy that I would pick up the phone to if I had any 
any problem with anything. Like he was one of them guys that was so handy. Like before, so he was a bit similar to me at first. So like he's had businesses and that, but he was an electrician when he when he come away from school. So anything to do with the house or whatever, I'd ring him up and he'd come and he'd sort it all out for us. Like, but so experienced in life. So like if I had a problem or if I needed advice for anything, I'd give him a ring and I'd be like, "What do you think on this?" Like. What do you think on that? Even just down to daft things like when we were doing Geordie Shaw and we started coming into money, I'd be like, I've seen this car I like. Do you think I should get it? And he'd be like, how much is it? And I'd be like, blah, blah, blah. Can you afford it? Yes. You've only got one life. Just enjoy yourself. That's that's what he'd be like. Really? Yeah. Really? See, yeah. see, see, see Mark. But he would enjoy them as well. I remember yeah. I, was, oh, I was, I think I was 21. And this was the, the car I always wanted. I wanted an M3, a BMW. And I went and I got a, a new M3 um, and he was like, he's massively into his cars as well. That's where I've got it from. And I remember I had that and then I was, he was into motorbikes. So when we were kids, I used to go on the back of his motorbikes. Um, he had like fire blades, Hayabusa's, like all the nice motorbikes. I got into that. So I had, um, what did I have? I had my M3 and I bought a Ninja, uh, a Kawasaki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember at the time I was living in, um, I had an apartment so it had one garage, so I had my car there, but then I used to leave my bike at his, and I remember I went over to Australia for a bit, and I was like, um, I think I went for six weeks, so I went, I'm going to leave my bike there, and I'm going to bring my car up and leave my car at yours as well. And um, my mates are ringing his, like, sending his messages and that, saying, your dad's just flew past us in your car, or um, I rang him up, and I was like, oh, how's everything? And he'd be like, oh, I've just been out on your bike and that. So he was like, he was enjoying it as well. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's nice. nice for us to yeah. share things like that, like with him. Yeah, but talk me through the day, obviously, yeah. you know, if you find out, because obviously I know that, we, 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 were yeah. speaking, we were speaking before the podcast, yeah. and you were saying about, obviously, you expected to have 10, 10 more years, you know what I mean? Like yeah, this, this, well, this, this was the kind of mindset you was in back then. It wasn't something I expected at all because he was, he was 74, but he acted like, as I said, he was like one of my mates. So it was as if I felt like he was so much younger. Um, and then my grandma, his mom, she's still alive. She's 97. So I just automatically expected like another 10, 15 years, whatever. Um, and I remember I was just I was just in mine. I was just doing some stuff, and my mum my actually rang us. And me and my mum are very close, but it was always my dad that used to ring us from his mobile. And my mum rang us on the house phone. I was like, oh, this is a bit weird. And I answered the phone. She was like, oh, your, your dad's went in the hospital. He's had a bit of chest pain and stuff. And I was like, oh, God. And I, I think I automatically told myself, oh, he's going to be all right. He's going to be fine, this and that. And then um, I went through to A&E. Because I knew like he was still there, and I was sat with him talking to him. He got put on a ward, and he was like as if he was normal. He was obviously saying, "Yeah, there's something up. I'm going to have to get looked at." But and then he went in there, and I remember going, "Right, well, they're keeping you in overnight. I'm going to go back with my mum's. I'm going to get you some clothes and stuff." And I brought it back down from on the night, and I stayed with him, and he was in his ward, and he was fine. Um, and then I remember the next day getting a phone call, just out of the blue, when I was. I was waiting for my slot to go in and see him. Um, and they were like, oh, you need to get down here quick. Can you let the family know? Um, and I was just like, what's going on? And they went, so you just need to get down. And they wouldn't say on the phone. And I feel myself getting a bit emotional now because it was, it, was, it was a horrible time to go through. And I walked into the ward and I was the first one there. And all the nurses and that were like, 
can you come can you come here can you come here and the putters in a room and the satters in a room and I sat in a room for about 10 minutes and I still didn't didn't know what was going on and they were like oh so your dad's had a cardiac arrest he's he's had a a, a major heart attack and went into cardiac arrest so um we've we've shocked him and we've brought him back around quite quick but they were saying because when you do go into cardiac arrest it stops like oxygen to your brain and stuff so we'll put him into a, a coma and I was just sat there like, wow, this is this is a lot to take in. And I I was breaking down at the time. I was so upset because I just didn't expect it. Um, and then my rest of my family got here and I sat, went to the water to see him. And obviously he was just all tubed up and had all these monitors on. And I sat with him for 36 hours, I think it was. And they were just like, he's not improving at all. If anything, he's deteriorating. So we need to... Like, you need to make a decision, like, to switch the machine off and stuff. And I was just like, I couldn't believe it. Like, and this isn't, like, the first trauma I've had with my family. Like, when I was, like, 13, my mom had um, a brain aneurysm. And she had, like, a big stroke and loads because of it. And she was in hospital. And I remember that was a stage five one, which is, like, it goes one to five, five being the worst. So they said to us at the time, like expect the worst, and she pulled through that. Like after after like she was in she she was in a coma for about two months, and I remember going in my school uniform to see her, and that was horrible. But then I thought she's pulled through that. I went my family, I know them, they, they made us strong stuff. I thought my dad's definitely going to pull through this, but nah, he he didn't. So I I had the choice, and me me. Who I think there was there was only maybe three of us sat with him whilst they turned everything off, and I think I physically had to see it because I thought, you know, he's going to pull through this any minute, and they were saying no, he's, he's not, he's deteriorating. So I kind of sat and waited, and when they turned the machines off, when I seen how quickly it went from obviously having the heartbeat on there to the colour in his face, I just watched it. It was almost like he had a line go across his face that went white and I was just looking thinking like I can't get over this but at the same time I'm glad I've seen that because I think I'm the sort of person that I might have dwelled on it in the past and been a bit like well what if we'd have waited a bit longer what if this what if that so that was like it kind of hit home a bit then but for me it's not something I've prepared for and it's the first person that I've actually lost so to lose your dad and like your best mate, the person that you're closest to, awful. So, like, I've seen people in the past lose family and that, and I've always felt bad for them, but until it happens to you, you don't realise, like, really how bad it is. Like, even now, I'm just waiting for my phone to ring and just see my dad and just have a, have a conversation, but you know you're never going to have that again. Do you, do you remember your last conversation with your dad? I do, I, like going to get upset if I think about it too much like it's still so raw I mean I think it was it was the 16th of October so it's like what eight weeks ago mad but yeah so I spoke to him I've got voice notes on my phone from him and, and everything just you just you, you don't expect it to happen so for like anyone else out there I, I do honestly say and like I make so much more effort like with my mum and that now because you just don't know what day you're going to get a phone call and for the for that that to happen? So you just got to you got to make the most of your family and people you're close to. 
I think one thing I've learned in life is I never leave and even if I've had a bit of a, a to do with my mum, my dad, my yeah. sister, whatever it is, I always leave leave the phone call and say, look, I've got to go right now, yeah. but I love you. Yeah. I always tell them I love yeah. them before I leave no, the I call. Think I, I think that's a really good, a really good thing to do. Like, I know now when I speak to my mum on the phone, every conversation she says the same to me. She says, I love you and... We'd never done that before. Not not every conversation. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's kind of a beautiful realization that you've probably both is, you've yeah. both had. Yeah, you've probably both. See, if I could do anything to bring them back, I, w- I would like. Yeah, I would love to have, as I said, had another ten years with them. Like, but but you but you were lucky enough to have you know yeah, exactly. thirty odd yeah. years of him, and yeah. you know, think about the joy that you've brought him. He's he's seen you go from someone who is working a job yeah. to his son's, uh, you know, people are talking about his son yeah. in the pub. He was so proud of that and all, like, everywhere I went, he'd be like, why your dad in? He's been telling me what you've been up to and stuff. And like, I could just tell he was yeah. so proud. Like, even just last year, because I had my teeth done and he was like, oh, I want mine done. So I was like, so I sorted out from go and get his done where he got mine done. Um, and I was getting messages from people on Instagram being like, Oh, I'm sat with your dad here. He's an absolute legend. He's been telling us all about stuff. So I know he was so proud of me. Yeah. So like that makes me feel good. Like I know I've never done anything to like upset him, and I know he's always been proud of us. So I think I think yeah, I it's think it's a good thing to take away from it. Like I I think in this in these situations, you just need to think about the positives and remember the happy things. Like as we said before, if you dwell on the negative. It's just gonna dive you into a deeper hole. Like there's nothing you can physically do to make it better. You just need yeah. to learn to move on with with the change and try and keep positive and be better. And that's that's the way I'm trying to do it. Yeah, I think I, I don't think you've got any other choices in the matter. Really, like no, with, it's, either, with, with, it's either sit in the house, drink and dwell, or try and better myself and create like i want to create a life where when i have kids like i can give them like a a nice upbringing like i've had yeah i know if i was to dwell and drink and then everything will soon like because because you want to because your mom and dad were married what 40 years they've just had the four was it the 40th they've just had the 40th wedding anniversary mad have you noticed in your in your dating life and stuff like that that when you've dated women that perhaps their parents haven't been married, it's been more difficult for you? I think it's hard these days to find people that the parents are still together, I think. I think yeah. a lot of people, the parents have, have went their own ways and stuff. But I know with, with my mum and dad, they they were both previously married from an early age. So I think they've done that one and then they remarried when they were in the 30s. So that was like they knew that the it was the right thing. Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. think a lot of people there is a lot of pressure to get married really young, or the, or the was. Um, and I personally, I've never looked at it like that. Like I've always been super cautious and been like, "Nah, I'm not ready to settle down or whatever." And to some people, that's been like, "Oh, you're 30 and you're not married or whatever." But for me, it was like I'd rather wait because I know how good of a marriage my mom and dad have had. Because they've waited for the right person, yeah, it's worth it. Rather yeah. than like I've met a few girls that 
were beautiful, had loads of things going for them that I could have easily went, do you know what? Yeah, this is the one, like I've got that. But nah, I just knew in my head that it wasn't, it wasn't right. What is it about those relationships you felt at the time that wasn't right? One thing I've personally learned, right, because of, especially because of the industry I'm in and because I think anyone driven, if you've got a goal, you need someone who's going to support you. You need someone who's going to be like, oh, well, you've got to go away for X amount of weeks or you're going to be in the office or, or in this place for so many hours a day. Yeah. I'm probably not going to get the attention I need. Um, you need someone who's comfortable with that and kind of like, you go and do you because I know it's what you need and it's going to benefit you. I'll do my thing. Um, but that's what I've always struggled with. Like I've, my previous girlfriends from years ago, they were always kind of like, oh, well, I don't really know what I want to do. And it's like, oh, well, you're doing this and you're doing that. And like, I could have easily took them under my wing a bit and been like, oh, well, yeah, this is you sorted, blah, blah, blah. But it puts a lot of pressure on your relationship. Like I've found, like I'm, I'm dating a girl now who's got all of our own stuff. She's got, I've got my house, she's got her house. She's got a business. She makes her own money. Um, she's busy with work. I'm busy with work. When we get a gap, we're going on holiday. We're going to do whatever, and that's worked out so much better for us. Um, whereas before, it was like I'd always have someone who was sat in the house in Newcastle or yeah, sat in the house yeah, yeah. in a different city, just twiddling the thumbs, being like, "Oh well, I'm just waiting for you to get back." And that's always put stress on the relationship. They've always been like, "Well." I'm not happy about you doing this. And as soon as someone tries to change you, then it doesn't work. Like I've tried to find common like middle ground with an ex years ago and it ended up affecting my work and everything that I was like working towards. So you need someone that's going to support you and and have a vision of of their own or like a one that's eventually going to come together. I'm, I'm glad you've found that for yourself now because yeah. like, for me on a personal level as I've been in the pursuit of my greater goal with everything I'm trying to do and obviously you've seen that firsthand of what I'm trying to achieve yeah yeah the further you go down that rabbit hole the further I've noticed that there, there, there's a, a gap that appears between me and a potential partner because yeah. it, it just seems more more and more difficult like the pool gets a lot smaller because as you raise yeah. your level as you start to raise your game the the, the dating pool gets smaller and smaller and smaller and you you just you just don't know where to as a man yeah. you're like I'm 34 yeah. and I'm like mate I, I, I know exactly what position you're in because you'll be like right well after this I'm going to go to Dubai and then there's only a yeah. small amount of girls that's going to go oh you go and enjoy yourself in Dubai or or yeah. be in the situation where they can pick up and come to Dubai yeah so, so, so like, I speak about it, it, it it's hard like I've always struggled with that and people are like oh do you not want to meet someone and settle down this was years ago and I'd be like, nah, I'm just having fun. Like I'm, I'm, I'm working on me. Like, and I think as well, when you've got a goal, it's not like you're chasing girls. Like you are chasing yeah. the dream. You know yeah. what you want to do and where you want to be. You're not going to clubs every, every weekend and trying to like sleep with loads of girls and that. It's not like that. It's like you do what you've got to do and you travel to benefit yourself. And some people think you're just living the life. Like you're just trying to do it to enjoy it. But it's like, yes, 
you're lucky to be able to travel, but it's all for a purpose. Yeah, there is a great. Yeah. great I'm jealous of you in Dubai. I think I'm going to come out, mate. You are. You're, 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 you're welcome, mate. You're yeah. welcome to come stay, man. I'm. I'm going to go back out there and for for three months and go and try and smash podcasting out there, mate. I think. I think there's a, a big opportunity out there for for anyone that wants Absolutely. to anyone wants to, to go and do bits. Yeah. But do I you, think if you want to do something as well, you have to be committed, and then that's how you see growth because you're committed to something, you're living and breathing it. Whereas if you just do some part time on the side, say like if you were just like, oh, I'm going to do my podcast on the weekends, you know, yeah. you're not going to get the growth that you are if you're fully diving and commit to something. Is so that's it, been like what's happened with me and Geordie Shaw and everything like that because I've literally just went oh you want us to quit my job yeah I'll quit my job like I didn't know where I was going to be in a year's time or two years time or five years time like I'm grateful that I've managed to have like I think it's 12 years now I've been doing TV and like I wouldn't have expected that I wouldn't have expected 12 months when I started was that a gut feeling you trusted do you know what I just think I've always been like if I get an opportunity, I'm going to make the most of it. Like, if I get offered something, I would hate to then... Imagine if I had said no, and then now, down the line, I'd be, like, seeing, obviously, all the other cast doing stuff and being like, that could have been me. Like, I, I've always had fear of missing out. So, like... I, I, I think there's a lot of different paths that you, that you could have... So many. You could have yeah. taken. I think I think there's... I was reading some spiritual stuff recently, and I was, they were saying, like, there's... There's your soul path, and there's your there, there's your destiny path, and there's some other path. You know, there's your conscious path, and you can because humans have consciousness, they can they can choose to do things that perhaps shouldn't be on their path. That's why yeah. so many people end up in places where they where they never imagined they'd be. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, do, I think everything happens for a reason, and I think the path that I've went down, it's worked for me because I've stayed grounded, the sort of person that I am. Like I haven't got big for my boots. I haven't kind of went, oh, well, I'm this on TV now, or, like, I can do whatever I want. Like, I've always kind of respected what I've been doing and the opportunity that I've had, and I've always respected everyone that I've worked with. So even now, like, because every series we do, like, Geordie Shaw has done 20, 22 seasons or something. It's mental, now. isn't it? I think I've done 16 of them or 17 of them. So, like, everyone, like, a lot of the time the crews stay the same, but there's always new people come and go. And these people are freelance and they move from job to job, show to show. So I've had a lot of people that I've had a relationship and just treat nice and be nice to. Even just last year, oh, James, how are you doing? Like, what's going on? Remember me from such and such. I'm working on this new show. Would love to know if you'd come on it. And then it's like, that door's open. And it's, because, and it's all because of how you treat people. Because they haven't went, oh, do you know what? James would be good for it, but he's a diva and he's, he's not a very nice person. And he, so you will just rule him out. So they could have done that. But because I've made time and effort with people, had a conversation, then you, you stick in the mind. So like 10 years on, I'm still getting opportunities from it. It's mad. Do you remember the, the first wage packet you got from the show? So the first one was free. Oh, so the first, first yeah. three and a half weeks. The first Geordie show was free. Um, and after that, when they said, they went, oh, you've got to quit your job. So we were like, We've got bills to pay. I remember I had a, what I have at the time, I think I had a Mini Cooper and I had it on finance. It was about five grand and my payments were about £200 a month. I was like, oh, obviously I've got my car to pay for, like I've got my expenses. Like at the time I was living at home, so like that was like, no. 
But I was like, oh, we need we need all the bills covered, and everyone was the same. Like some of the other cast were like on the dole and that before they done Jordy Shaw. Who's on the dole? Uh, Gaz was on the dole. <laughs> uh, Vicky worked in the uh, the nightclubs the same as me, and I think yeah. a few of them were like call centers and stuff. Like That's we right. were just a very average, like normal person. You could did did they ever tell you why they why why they brought out Geordie Shore and not London Shore. So they tried, they done the castings in multiple different cities. I know Liverpool was one, um, a few other places, but I think with Geordies, we're very likeable. Like, yeah. we are, a lot of what are likeable, like, we just want to have a good time and it's a good nightlife around here and stuff. So I think it just, when they discovered Newcastle and like came and met people, they were like, this is the one and like, it, it had the chances of not working, like, but it did. It worked, and it just blew up. And they haven't even really tried to do any other places because they just know Newcastle works. To get this right, I went. I went to a meal, uh-huh. uh, my last meal in Australia, with a couple out there that have done phenomenally well in business, done yeah. like 150, 200 million property. Right, right. I'm at this meal, and uh-huh. I'm talking about like, oh, what podcast are you going to do in the UK? Yeah. I'm going. Oh, I got, I got James from Geordie Shore coming yeah. on the podcast, and she just looks at me, and he looks at me, and they're like. Really, like, we we, <laughs> and it's we like, how would you know? We we, we 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 used to watch when when we were building our like building up our businesses. Like, yeah. We used to come home and when we used to want to like switch off and have a laugh, we used to turn on Joy Shaw and yeah. watch Joy Shaw. So so even even people was like that have been successful in their own field yeah. used to love to go and watch Joy oh. Shaw because like, I remember it I was re- everyone's guilty ple- pleasure. Like I remember going down the street and I was still working it out. Really, I was like, who's watching it? But you couldn't work it out because one minute you'd have loads of screaming girls chasing you down the street. The next minute you could have like someone's granddad stopping you and be like, oh, I was watching news on the telly the other day. And it's like the the audience was just massive. I feel like it was everyone's kind of guilty pleasure. And because there'd been nothing like it on TV before, like so wild, like it had no restrictions at the start. We could do whatever we wanted. Basically, the first series they followed us with cameras. Obviously, as time went on and we grew and everything, that had to change. But the first series, they ran behind us with cameras. Like, if you watch the first series back, you can see the cameras in the mirrors and everything because it was just like trying to keep up with us because we were just living our best lives. Like, And because we didn't necessarily know the first one was going on TV, we didn't have any walls up. So we just kind yeah. of done whatever it takes. Like, we just done what we would do in normal life, like, go to a club, like, meet meet girls, take girls back. Like, at the first series, I got into a fight at some point, and it's like, all of that had never really been done on TV before. You'd seen arguments, but not to the extent that we had. And I think people related to us because we were just, like, young and daft and fun and wanted to have a good time. And it was like, I still find this now. If I watch a show and there's a bit of drama going on, it's nice to watch someone else go through drama and it's not you at home going through it. So I'd be like, go on, like, oh, I can't believe they just said that. Oh, if I was in that situation, I wouldn't say that. So I think people just like warmed to us and, and grew with us. So even now, like walking down the street, I'll get people like, oh, James, you're right. Like, oh, I had such a like laugh. It was so good, like watching you and the guys grow up on TV and it's, it's mad. It's been one of them things where it's... It's something that you don't really forget about. Like everyone, I feel like everyone, and as you said there, like people, 
who've done really well for themselves, like on the other end of the world, like they they've watched Geordie Shaw. It's it's mad, like, and I've been lucky enough because of it to go to Australia like multiple times, and some of the best experiences from my life have been going over to Australia. What, what was the first series? What when I went to Australia? First series. It was fairly early on because I remember me and Sophie, one of the girls, one of the original girls. So it was maybe, I think series. It was before we'd done Cancun. So it was like 2012. We went, we went to Australia, and me and Sophie were just like normal. Like as I say, normal. Like my dad's a grafter, her dad's a grafter. He's got restaurants and stuff, but like we'd never travelled like business class or anything. And MTV put we in business class, and we're sat there and we're like taking photos of food and that because we're proper buzzing. Um, and we went over to Australia, and and I think Twitter was around then, and we'd been posting that we're going. We pulled up at this airport. I can't remember which one it was because we we're doing tours everywhere. And there was 100, 200 people waiting there. There was 100 well, you know, people in Australia. in Australia because we'd never been to Australia before and it had done so well there. Like Even now, if I go on my on like my Instagram and I look at where my followers are from, it's like UK, Australia, Italy, Mental, blah, blah, blah. It? Yeah, it's still like massive. Um, and because none of us had been there, like they all waited in the airport and they had like little koalas and like Tim Tams and stuff and all these like um, Vegemite and stuff and they were giving, How good are Tim Tams giving us the unreal <laughs> I've never had one before and they were giving me presents and I was just like at the time I felt like I'd been like a singer or something or like a boy band or something I was like this is madness from just being a normal lad in the street and going out in nightclubs to then going to somewhere and having People. I remember I done a nightclub once and some girl fainted and I had to get a stretcher in. <laughs> I had to get a stretcher in and take this girl out and she was she was passed out. And I was just like, for me, because this was so new and I hadn't been brought yeah. up around any of this. I reckon for the first five years, I was just like, what is going on with my life? Like, like you couldn't plan it. Just a, I bet it was just a whirlwind. It was. It was just like, what is going on? Oh, you want us, you want us to go to Australia for six weeks? So I was just like, what? Then the next night, I'd like when I was in the UK, when we were filming, we were filming a lot then, like the demand for Jolly Shaw was mad, so we were filming like three shows a year. Um, at the time, there were six weeks at a time, so when we were filming that, we, that's all we were doing. We didn't have time to do anything else. But whilst we were there filming, we had agents who were getting were nightclub appearances and we are doing all the daft stuff. Like I think I had a calendar out at one point, <laughs> just like stupid stuff. But like every night of the week, We'd come out. I'd come out from filming, and, and I'd speak to my agent. And he'd be like, "Got your sixty nightclub appearances lined up for the next like wow for the next three months." And, and what 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 were you getting per appearance back then? <laughs> from being like, I don't even know if we've spoke about this before. I don't even know if any of the lads have, but like, we couldn't believe it because we went from from getting what we would in a month for getting for an hour for turning up to a nightclub. So like thousands, we're getting thousands of pounds to turn. So up so you got, you got sixty events. You're getting like two, three, four, five k a pop. More, more. <laughs> Not that much. I wish. <laughs> no, we were getting on on average. It it depends on the early when it very first started. We were getting maybe fifteen hundred to two grand a nightclub, and then as it got on, it was getting more. But like, it's pretty good money, mate. For like. At the time, so I was 19 when I started. So when I started doing the appearances and stuff, I was like 20, 21 year old and getting, like, I didn't know what to do. Like, 
it was just overwhelming and we were just like, yeah, like more, more. But at the same time, that did have an effect on like my physical health. Someone who'd been so into the fitness and training and like looked after themselves, watched what they ate, that turned to you getting drunk for six weeks on a TV show, kind of eating what's in the house and they loved getting with takeaways on nights out and whatever. So then turning up at these nightclubs and when they book you to do an appearance, they expect Geordie Shaw, they expect you to be drunk. Like, I would take a couple of mates with us at the times. Like, at one point, I actually hired one of my mates who didn't have a job <laughs> to be my driver. He was called The Driver uh, on Instagram, hashtag The Driver. And, uh, so he was, like, out of work, but then got to live this life with me. And everywhere I went, I'd have two hotel rooms, all the drink would be paid for, would have meals paid for, I'd pay for all the food and whatever when we're out and about, all the petrol and that. Um, and obviously, 20-year-old, living the dream, going to clubs where there was just like girls, it was just 90% girls. Us Geordie Shaw lads worked in the clubs because all the girls would come and see us and then lads would come for all the girls. So it was just, it was like being in a boy band. It was absolutely mental. We we. Saving the money, or he's blowing it all, or what was going on? No, I've I've always been sensible. Like I've never been like, wow, like I've I've enjoyed it. Put it that way. Like I could have saved a lot more, but I haven't been like, oh, I've got this amount in the bank. I'm going to spend all that. Or, or do you know what? I've made this amount of money this month. I could go and spend three grand a month on a flash car or whatever. Like I was never really that to that extent but I did enjoy it like like I'd, I'd go on holiday whenever I could I'd I had like I've always from nine from like 20 I had like a, a lush apartment and then like I've had nice houses and stuff since I've always had like nice cars but never like to the extent where I've been like overly flashy like oh because as much as I love the attention sometimes you don't yeah, 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 yeah it's strange yeah, yeah. and I feel like if you're in this Especially now that Instagram's so big and TikTok and stuff, I feel like a lot of people want to look the part, don't they? So I could find, I could have easily fell into a part where I'd be like, oh, well, do you know what? I could afford to have a Lambo or whatever. I'm going to get it just for Instagram. But then it's like, I think it's because I've had my family around us as well. Like, as I said before, when I bought my car, I was like, ask my dad. But I think if it was something daft, he'd be like, no, James, don't be stupid. Do you know? Do you know one thing that's daft that me and you have both done that I've just realised? <laughs> we didn't put we didn't put a ticket on the car, did we? No, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't. Talking about daft things. Yeah, so we both, we, we, we both, we have saved a bit of money so yeah, I can pay for the parking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we just we both just got five hundred and twenty quid. Yeah, just that here. I do feel like I feel like because I'm from the era where reality TV wasn't so big. It's not like going on Love Island now. Whereas, like, I've seen people go on Love Island and stuff, and then automatically they blow up overnight and... Million followers. Yeah, getting a million followers, and you feel like... Boohoo. Yeah, you'll, you'll get everything there, and the brand deals you come out with will be ridiculous, but then you could easily go, do you know what? Oh, well, I can, I've made it now, but you've always got that worry in the back of your mind, whereas I've always had that. I've always thought longevity, and, like, I mightn't have this in two years' time. But whereas some people won't, some people will be like, oh, I'm making this now, this is who I am. But like everything can easily be took away from you. I think for you, it was more of a case of like the, the ball started to roll and it was quite impactful yeah. at the start, but then it started to snowball over the series. Yeah. And obviously it's such a, it's 
Geordie Shore is, is a is a brand that you can be within for like t- you know twenty seasons, whereas know, whereas Love Island's a one a one season wonder. Yeah, and you then know. they do another one. Don't yeah, they? so I'm I'm glad like everything's turned out the way it has. But I remember at one point, so I left the show because I was physically and emotionally that drained from doing all the series, doing three, yeah, drinking all the time, doing nightclub appearances and that and I remember at the time I was like I don't know how long I can keep going with this I'm absolutely knackered I was just burnt out I was started putting weight on Um, I remember I got in a relationship at that point and before then I was always like single single staying single making the most of it and I think that was like a comfort thing for me and then I got in this relationship and then I started thinking oh do you know what maybe he's I've done enough and maybe I should try now. Maybe I should retire. Now now I should retire and try and have a bit of normality. And I remember I'd done that. And once, like I said, look, I'm not coming back or whatever. Um, and I remember I had a good go. I set a gym up at the time because I was like, I've always loved my fitness. I want to get back into it. And I was qualified at PT and everything. I'd, I'd done it online and stuff in, in gyms. And I'd done it in my gym. Um, but then I remember like, it got about nine months of like not about about a year maybe of not doing TV anymore and giving it a go and trying to get this gym off the ground and working like it's the worst most I've ever worked. I was working like <laughs> ten hour days and stuff and training clients back to back and trying to juggle everything. And for the for the reward I was getting from it, from what I was used to, I was like, This is hard, this. I was like not as happy as I used to be. Yeah. Um, and at the time, my girlfriend, she was just like on the ride with us, really. Like she wasn't doing her own thing. She was just like living my life. Um, <laughs> and I've got the point now. I was like, oh, I don't know. And then the relationship collapsed. We broke up. And then I continued with the gym for a bit. And then I still remember I got offered in Australia, actually. I, I got offered a show in Australia. And it was it was some of that. It was first dates. So oh, I, went, yeah, I, went, yeah. I went and done first dates. And I was like, oh, well, they've said I can go out for a week. I was staying in Sydney for a week. It was one night of filming. So I thought, right, I'm going to get a break and I'm going to go over and do that. And I loved it. And I loved being back in front of the camera and like the producers loved us and that. And then they started talking about us doing other things in Australia. On that night, not joking, lying in bed, jet lagged, phone goes, Geordie Shaw producers, would, would love to have you come back, James. Like, what do you think about in that? So they'd seen that I was single again. And I was doing TV again. Straight away interested. And I was like, I remember thinking, I, was, I, did, I didn't want to sound too keen, but inside I was like, yes, I'm going back. I need to. Um, and I was like, oh, well, I'll come meet you in Newcastle. Well, obviously, we've got a lot to discuss. So flew back, got talking to them. Still had the gym going in the background, but I was like, I'm going to have to take a bit of time away from it. Um, agreed everything, went back, done a series, and I was like, why did I ever leave this? Like, this is what I've been born to do, like, and I've had this opportunity, make the most of it, like, and it's worked out, like, perfect, like, as I say, since I went back, that was probably three and a half years ago, I've done other different shows from it, I've built everything else around it, I come out of the gym just before lockdown, so obviously if I had still been involved in that gym, going through lockdown, like, I feel for anyone who had a business during lockdown, so I feel like everything has just happened at the right time for us. Divine timing. Yeah, and then I've come away from that and, and then I've started building on other things and then now it's like Geordie Shaw was at a point where people were so invested in it over the years 
it's it's narrative and what it is about isn't the same. It's like not about young people going out in Newcastle getting drunk and going on the pull. Now, like people are invested in our lives, they want to see what's next and what everyone's up to next. So, so it's more more going into like the businesses and everything yeah. else running on the back of it. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like if if one thing from my life has been that pivotal point and been the the thing that I'll always look back on and go, that's been that point is Geordie Shaw signing that first ever series and doing it because it's come and gone from my life in them two instances that I've said and it's just both times even coming back years later where you know that time I didn't expect much from it I just thought I need a break a reset I can make a a few quid from it and then and then decide what I want to do after that to then all these about doors opening so and how was that when you had that break yeah. You obviously that's something deep in your mental health that was going on there. It was strange for me because I've always, even before I done Geordie Shaw, I had the multiple jobs and stuff. I don't like sitting around yeah. and being bored. And then when I was doing Geordie Shaw, I was obviously constantly filming, so my mind's occupied doing that. I was doing the nightclubs, I was travelling, I was doing everything else. So then doing that to then not necessarily having a routine or being busy every day to like trying to make myself busy it was it was a weird just so strange for us because I started it at so young like my life I haven't went through probably some of the stages that some other people would go through do you know do you know what I mean yeah because I've kind of been like from you missed teenager you, you missed a part of you yeah to bump to yeah most teenagers you go enjoy yourself but obviously make sure you you put your time into your work and everything else whereas my my teens my partying was, was what was my work and what was making his money so it was it was it's a weird situation like. did, did, it, did it drain the life out of you like completely though into, so much it's like because obviously drinking drink, it's, drinking it's alcohol. alcohol yeah, yeah it's the alcohol like even now like people probably think oh Geordie Shaw like he'll, he's a party animal Whereas I'm not like, you're quite only, chilled, yeah, aren't you? The only time I drink is when I'm filming or when there's an occasion on. Like I don't go to nightclubs on a weekend. I don't. If I go out for a meal, I don't get bottles of wine. I don't um, sit in the house. I've, I couldn't tell you one time I've sat in the house and drank watching a football game or watching the TV or anything. It's just it's so because Jory Shaw and the lifestyle's been drilled into us where it was like, right, you're going to this club, you're going to be there for two hours. So you, you, in that two hours, you're down the drink, whatever. I've always been in that sort of, like that's been my routine. So when I'm not in them situations, I don't I don't need it and I don't want to. And I'm glad I don't because I think if I was doing all that and then that, I, I'd be, oh. I'd be have you, have I think because s- I've done so much of it on TV and when I was doing the PAs, the nightclub appearances that I can I can have it or not. Have you seen like others in your industry struggle with the alcohol thing and go down the wrong path of it? So much. Like I think it's especially because we were so young and just given this like crazy different life that no one expected with no preparation or anything. Like obviously afterwards, like reality TV, especially I'll credit Line Pictures and MTV, like their um they're so switched on with like mental health and your well-being. Like we have welfare people who will ring us up all the time and check in, make sure we're okay. Because doing TV 
it's not for everyone. Like, there has been people come and go from our show, and I watch it when I watch other shows, that some people just, they might think it's a good idea, but they're just not, they're, they're not cut from what's needed to What What do you expect. need? Expect, like, you've got to have a really thick skin. You've got to, um, with me personally, I've always treated as work. As, as, as much as it's been good, I've kind of treated as, right, I've got a job to do. Like, not kind of fully, like, putting everything, like, on the line. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was, some people get in it and they took back from it because yeah. it's overwhelming. So for them, it's like, oh, wow. Like A few months ago, I watched a video where you were talking about mental health and um, you just, you're talking about a time that you posted a photo online yeah. and there was people in the comments. Like, I think you're flying somewhere and people, you're just, you're just saying you're boarding the flight to go somewhere. And someone wrote in the comments and there was people writing in the comments, I hope you die on the way and stuff yeah. like that. And, it's, and, it's, and, and if, if you just... Like, like, I'm, I'm laughing yeah. about it here because that was the mechanism that I taught myself to do. Like, if someone said something nasty to us, I've just done it automatically then. I didn't even realise. Like, I taught myself to laugh it off because I thought if I take that personally, which a lot of people would, like, imagine you were walking down the street and someone said, yeah, you're this and that, I hope you die. You'd end up in an argument and you'd be grabbing each other, wouldn't you? But yeah. through social media, people think they can get away with saying whatever they wanted to. And especially then, I feel like this was before everyone was so aware of mental health. Like, it wasn't spoke about. It was kind of, I've heard people go, oh, well, they chose to be on that TV show. They should expect it. And they should expect to be pulled apart by everyone because they're doing TV. But that's, like, they don't understand, like, how it's all come about. And we're all in it for the same thing, really. Like, ah, me me and the Jolly Shaw lot, we didn't expect anything from it. But then once we got used to it, like, we all just want to do better for ourselves. And um, I'm the same with other people when I see people going on, like, Love Island and other shows. Like, I know they're all just wanting to make the most of the life and try new things and hopefully like now especially they know they can make money from it so why not but to label people as like oh they should expect to do that because they've chose to do that when you get offered to do something you don't look at it as oh well i might get this said about us oh in three months time someone might have a go at us by saying this you don't think of that you go right this is my chance like this is the life i've got i want to try and do better for myself like you don't think of the negative stuff that comes yeah. with it. You're you're literally just trying. You're literally yeah. just trying to create the best life that you can in the moment that you're in. You know exactly, what I mean? Exactly, exactly. And hats off to anyone who takes like leaps and tries new things. And like, no matter what it been setting up a business, whatever. Like, I feel like in life you have got to take these risks and you have got to, to do things. Otherwise, you'll just stay the same, won't you? And 100%. for me, I didn't know at the time that it was going to be the TV that was going to make my life better. Like. As I said, I thought it was a pilot and I would come out of that and I had a good time and I went back to work for my dad and just because of the way I'd brought up, I'd set up a business and done something. That's what I thought I would do. At the start of this podcast, you were mentioning about um, the fitness magazine, about how you believe that you'd manifested that into your life. Do you do do things like vision boards and and create goals and list of goals? I used to. I don't anymore because I feel like I've done it for so long, like, it's already there. It's already in I already know. How long were you doing it for? For years. Every, 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 Even when you were a kid? Did I used to do it when I was a kid? I always imagined, did I, I think I might have, you know. 
when you when you when you're manif- when you when you're doing what you term as manifesting yeah. your future reality, yeah. are you doing that? I'm envisioning. Are you, are you visioning that in your mind, or, or are you are, are you also putting pen to paper in terms of like writing down goals and also creating a vision board, or yeah. how how is that coming about? I've I've went through all the phases of that. Really, I have had vision boards. I've had times where even till a couple of years ago, I had a, my lock screen on my phone would be my vision board of like daft yeah. things like. Like, um, I remember I was like, what did I have on? I had like, but it got a bit materialistic. I found that. Some See, of the things, yeah. but then I had other things where it was like, um, with my online coach and have X amount of clients. Um, I had, um, at one point I had Australia there thinking like, oh, I'm going to move there and just little things like TV show. Like I'd always know, and I, oh, I'd put in my notes like, right, this year I want to do, get this amount of clients I want to do another TV show that's not Geordie Shaw I want to do this I want to do that and then if you've got them there and you're looking at them it does keep it fresh in your mind yeah because it's easy just to forget about stuff but I do think you've, you've got a you've got a planet and you've got to work towards something you've got to have like short goals and long-term goals so if you so if you're someone sat there listening to this at home now who wants a lot more for themselves in life what where where do they start exactly they just got to take the first step haven't they they've just got to do do something towards that goal no matter what it be if it's to get in shape they need to look at the diet or hire a coach or just go for a water step in the gym or whatever uh, if it's business it's do your research and look into that um find out a lot more the ins and outs of it and work towards the path of creating that. Do you think that a lot of people don't get too caught up in the analysis paralysis of looking at stuff that they're going to do, but then don't take enough action on doing it? I think a lot of people say they're going to do stuff, but they never end up doing it because nine out of 10, it's they've got a comfort zone and they don't want to step out of it. So, so how have you consistently, because it's very consistent in your life, you've always stepped out of your comfort zone. So what part of you has been curated to allow you to keep doing that? I think with me, it's been, I got addicted to the lifestyle, like having more. And like we said at the start, like I'm a very happy person. So I've always, I want to do things that make us happy. So I know even if something's going to be a job, like I've had, I've had businesses that haven't worked. Do you know what I mean? And during that time, but I've tried, and then I'm still happy about it now because I'd rather try something and fail it than than never ever do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think it's just it's, so many goals and so many things you can try, and yes, a lot of them are going to fail, but eventually one's going to stick, and you're going to get on a path that, like for me, as I said early on, I never ever wanted to work for someone and even at school I didn't like being told what to do and whatever I used to rebel a bit and I always used to want my freedom and and, and whatever so when I got my job for working for my dad and I felt like my own boss that was good and then I've never had a boss since I was a teenager like, yeah it's mad but that's because I've chose that yeah you, you've definitely walked that path is yeah. it same same with like, I've never been the person where I was like, right, well, I need to go to uni and I need to do this. Probably, I probably wasn't intelligent enough, especially at the time when I left school. <laughs> but like, I did have the grades. But like, I feel like I've learned a lot through life. 
like I'm so much smarter now than I was when I when I left school. Like I was ridiculously you've, dumb. You've learned everything that you've learned by trial and error. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. The, the only reason you that's the best way to learn. The only the only thing the only, the only reason your relationship's strong now and why you have a grounded like the the grounded and well rounded businesswoman and w- woman that you're dating right now yeah. is not what James would have envisioned for himself when he when he started on Georgie Shore. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because he <laughs> because he, because he's just going for tits and yeah. ass and yeah. Australian bird, whatever, yeah. whatever. Like, looks looks hot. <laughs> Tating his back there, bloody yeah. hell. <laughs> it would be a nightmare for you. Yeah, though. you it can't, was. It you, was. You can't go back there with a missus. Nah, <laughs> <But> just, <laughs> I've seen enough to uh, to last us. Like, <laughs> but do, do you know what I'm saying? Though, it's 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 it's, it's oh, I mean, one of the reasons I do this podcast is because i want people to obviously the, the tagline for it is break pants flip perspectives right i want people to to uh, to take action on some of the stuff that they know they should have been doing for, for so long and that uh, and one thing i want them it's to it's inspiring like i was watching even before we spoke i was watching your podcast because i was like i'm so interested in this and hearing different people's like outlook on life and how they got how they've done it like you don't realize even just listening to the podcast you might pick something up and not even realizing that's yeah. going to really benefit you in a year's time or whatever. Just because you heard, you might have heard something, it might sit, sit in, and then you might come to a situation and you go, "Remember when such and such said that?" And then you apply that, and then. Well, it, it, the reason, like I said, the re- the reason the reason this is all put together, the reason I travel around the world and do this is because I want to bring the gems from your mind in, into this reality, so that yeah. people can 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 leverage your knowledge and your learning so that they can go and apply them in their own lives and i think one thing i want them to get from you on this episode is the fact of like you know you didn't you didn't know exactly where you were were going to but you knew that you just had to trust the process of what you were going through and whatever felt right in your gut at the time is what you followed and that's and that's been something that's that's that's, that for your whole journey that's the that's the thread of the thread that I've picked up on through this whole thing. Yeah, I've always been like, right, work work with something whilst it's working, enjoy it. If it starts to not work, then you find something else that yeah. works. So Because when Geordie Shaw wasn't working for you, yeah. you were like, right, I'm going to hang the gloves up because it, because it didn't bring you the same joy as it had done yeah. for the X amount of seasons. So you stopped. Yeah. And, then, and then when obviously you come back into Geordie Shaw and you want to be back on it again, you're back on it again because yeah. it did light you up again. Because, yeah, because I, I'd went away from what I think I didn't like anymore. Realize, I realised at the time I actually left a part of myself when I, when yeah. I left that show because I was giving that up because I didn't think I enjoyed it anymore. It was affecting my relationship. Like, I just thought, right, it's going to be easier just to leave. And then when I left and realised that that wasn't the case, and do you know what I mean? I've been in a bit of a a, a a bad place at that point. When I went back, I went, I do think the second time I've went back as well, even though I made the most of it the first time, the second time I went, I might get six years out of yeah, this. Yeah, I need to make the, make sure I'm making the most out of this, and that is exactly what I've done. Like you gone back, with, you've gone back into this situation with a new appreciation for how you're rolling now. Exactly, which which comes as a level of maturity as well. Yeah. Oh, oh, massively. I'm a completely different person to what I was when I went on that first Geordie Shore. I remember when we went in there. Like I'd never lived with girls before. Like I, I unless I was interested in them like to chat them up or whatever, I wouldn't really have a conversation with them unless it benefited me as in like... You getting laid. Yeah, or a job, like like when the, the Geordie Shore... Well, seeing that, that was I was treating that as if I was. <laughs> uh, uh, like the girls will say, like when I went in there, I hardly spoke to them because 
I, I didn't see them in that way. And I was just like, oh, well, whatever. Like, but then now I've matured so much. And some of the, some of the people I'm closest to that I've like ever been to like in Geordie Shore, the closest ones are some of the girls. Yeah. So it's mad. And I think living with them taught me a lot about life. Like obviously in relationships moving forward and stuff. Um, but like how to kind of see things from their point of view as well. Yeah. I think yeah, that's yeah. helped us in ways as well. I've, I've kind of like adapted in the situations that I've went to. Because obviously you were doing a lot of the peacekeeping back then as well. Yeah. Like it, I, it, it, I've it, still got that role yeah, now. Like yeah, yeah. I do... Um, so like I've well I've done that many but like I've count kind of found this like narrator role on Geordie Show I think I kind of like I'm the person in the middle that tells the story in ways and um, sets the time yeah if people have got stuff going on I'm kind of like bridging that and going to and from everyone as well as having I've had a fair bit of my own drama like especially on the last one <laughs> but uh, but yeah I've I've just found this like role where um just like. I think because I'm good at talking. But how do you separate yourself from the show? Because I know when you were talking, when you moved off the show, that you felt like you'd lost a part of yourself, yeah. right? And then when you come back, you say, oh, that was a part that's missing. I looked at the show completely different years ago. Um, now, I look at it as work. Like, more as work. Whereas then I was like, oh, I can't believe that I've got this. Life. And I'm doing yeah. this. And like, oh, this is a good life. Well, if I do this, then I'll get this. And then I do that. And then I'll go there. Whereas now I'm like, right, so I've got it in the diary. I'm filming for three weeks in this month. I'm going to get myself prepared for that. Go and do it, whatever. Once that's done, yep, I had a good time. What's next? And I was like riding the wave before. Now I feel like I'm planning it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so you can capitalise. Yeah. What What are some of the things you're investing in on the back of with some of the money that you're making from this reality yeah. TV now? Um, so I've just started getting into property. I've... Um, Literally, one of the best things I've ever done, which I'm so proud of now, especially because I know my dad wanted to do that, is my grandma. She's lived in the same house since she was nine year old. She's 97 now, yeah? And she's never bought it. She's always rented it. So I've just been able to give her the money to buy the house. Beautiful. She's got that house now. We can make changes to adapt it for her. But then also, that house is going to be in the family for forever. Yeah, yeah, so that is one thing I'm really proud of, um, and yeah, so I've got like various different incomes and different things that I've done along the way, um, that I've obviously set up and used my platform and things. I do think because of having the Instagram and the followers and stuff, that's helped with stuff. Um, but I feel like I made a point now in my life where, especially after the last few years, I've done well, and now. I'm at that point again where I'm looking at, right, so where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in 10 years? So I'm just playing around with a few ideas now that I can do, obviously, yeah. going forward. Because do I see us doing Geordie Shaw in another five years? No, but the way it's went, you don't know, do you? So obviously your, your, your slow pound investments are going to be your, your properties, yeah. which you built over time. Yeah. But are you, And then I, I've got like my subscription things and, and my... My online coaching. So walk me through the walk me through the subscriptions and how that's working for you. Um, the online coaching. So when I was obviously I become a personal trainer in 2012, and then I done the Geordie Shaw bit for a bit, and then I started working in a gym around that because I've always been like, right, if I'm going to do something, I want to have the credentials behind us, and I want to have the knowledge 
to help people moving forward. Like I know there has been a lot of people who's done TV and stuff and they've went, oh, fitness, I can make money off that and they've just put the name to something whereas I didn't want to do that. So um, I trained people, I trained people in my gym and then I realised there was only so many hours in the day so I started doing it online and I started getting people messaging us from Australia and different countries being like, oh, I can't come to train with you. I wish I could but I can do it online. So then I had... um, a like a, a platform approaches like an, an app where I could create my own app on there and my own fitness programs and coach people on there. So that's what I've been doing for the last whew, few years, really. So I've been doing that. So I've got clients on there, and and then just Instagram itself, like because of engagement and having a large large audience, I get offers to do work on there as well so what, what are some of the most ridiculous sums you've had offered for brand deals um it depends what it's been like you find the more like risky stuff like i've been offered to do like condoms and stuff in the past and like sex toys and things like that whereas a lot of people probably won't do that but because i've been on geordie shore it's kind of like fitting in a way as long i would never do anything that wasn't true to my personality like i've been offered to do like the weight loss stuff, like the uh, the like, and stuff. like the boom oh, bots, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I always knocked them back, and they were always like thousands, yeah. thousands to a post, and I'd be like, nah, it's not worth it. And I'm glad I stuck to my guns with them and not done it because I think you lose your credibility, especially with being. I, like, I, th- I think if you're trying to sell fitness in terms of like you're 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 trying yeah, to plan out people's diets. Term, like I've always visioned like being having a gym. That was always one of my goals, having a gym. Um, I learned that well obviously when I started training young like it was part of my life so I always seen it being a part of my life later on and when I started doing Geordie Shore and people found out about my story and what I used to be like as a kid and overweight and stuff then I found I started getting messages about that so that's when I started training to become like qualified and I think it's good that you stuck to doing fitness in the right way I still love fitness now like I I train all the time. Um, it's just a part of my life. And if I can help people, then I'd I'd love to. I think one of the next things that you got to do is bring out bring out your own products, isn't it? Surely. I'd done that years ago. So I'd done that. I had my own supplement brand when I was really young, like twenty three, something like that. Where I had proteins, everything, and that was doing really, really well. I remember I was making a good sum of money, but I had business partners in there, and I've found. Not necessarily them. That didn't go the way I wanted it to. But I've found with other various things that I've done and things I've been approached to do, a lot of people want to use you. The the see you is like a money-making machine and they don't care about what you look like in the long run. They just go, that's my cash cow. I can make X amount of it on this. I've had so many offers for different things where I've just thought, you're just trying to get money out of me i've even had people in the street or people that um i've been acquaintances with not i wouldn't say friends because i'll always help my friends but people try and be like oh like blah blah can you just post this for us and can you just do that for us and, and i'm just like no nah. yeah i had i had a i had a close you love it yeah i had a close friend of mine um asked me to post something and i was like but this can but but where's this come from? It's complete. It's yeah. not even topic to what I'm, what I share content about. It's not, I can't share that because it's, 
it's not for my audience. She yeah. says, yeah, but it's for my brother. I'm like, yeah, but that's even worse. It's not even for you. It's like, yeah. I'm, I'm good mates with you, not your brother. Do you know what I mean? Just, like, they don't see it as, it's, it's, it's only take them a couple of seconds, but it's that, not, it's not that. Doing whatever it can be could be damaging for you for it's, it, it's like, you know, I, I, if you're not involved in that sphere of sphere of stuff and you're sharing, it, it's like, well, this, that's not congruent with who I am. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, you and I both know that the first people to come for you are the people that, if they see a chink in you, like of being uncongruent, they come at you. Oh, they come, yeah. at, they come at you hard. And Definitely. That, and it's it's people have got to realize as you start to build more and more of a of a following of a, a listenership or anything you're gonna get people just want to the crab in the bucket mentality comes out and people just try and pull you back in that bucket and they don't want to see you succeed yeah and it's they, a shame people stop seeing you as a person as well yeah they stop seeing you as who you are they start seeing you as oh well they're famous or they've got that following they're they're this they're, they're my quick quick money making thing they'll be like how can I make money oh I know such and such has done well I'm gonna ask them to do it but, like, for me, I've always found my friends haven't asked us to do stuff. Like, but if I seen one of my friends, I would do it myself. I would help. Yes, them. this, you, this. You would share yeah. it or whatever. Like, if it was something that was really going to benefit them, like, it's not a quick money thing. It's like, this what they're passionate about and what they're doing, and, and it'll help a lot of people. Then you, you'll share that all day. But if it's someone out the blue who you have to be a choice. in six years, and they're like, will you just post about like my candles or something, or like something. Just random. You're just gonna be like, no. And when you and when you say like, why? They say to you, oh, because you know we knew you X amount of time ago. It's yeah, like, they do. Oh, yeah. have you forgot where you come from and yeah. this and that? And it's like that's where a lot of the bad hype comes from. Like people will be like, oh, they, they love themselves now, or oh, they they forgot where they come from. When it's it's not the case at all. Like if if you want to help people around you, you will. Like. But getting bombarded by all these DMs and messages about stuff that, do you know what, you, you know they're not even passionate about it, so in six months they're probably not going to be doing it again anyway. Yeah, no, yet they're quite happy yeah. for you to chew your brand on it. Yeah. But I've had that in the past. I've had, like, friends and stuff where I've went into business with and then they just, like, they rely on you to do everything, right? So then you do it. But then they don't like the fact that you get, the credit for it yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're like oh have you seen James's brand or whatever if they're not getting a mention in with it then, then they start spitting the dummy out like my gym was a bit like that so I was like nah because there was a few partners and that but I was the one who how have you, advertised it and got everyone there and then how have you dealt with losing yeah. people though throughout this journey because um, when, you, think, when think, you go through a journey like this yeah. you you have to lose a lot of people yeah, and Pete, I've and heard so many quotes about this recently and all, and it's like people are on your journey for so far, and then give like, a, oh, what was the reason to like why why you can't take them with you? Like everyone, I I think it's because that you when you're when you're trying to do things in the public domain, like whether what I'm trying to do or whether what you've already done and what you're continuing to do. As you, as you push your foot down on the gas to go through the gears and to go through the levels, naturally, you can't take everything from one level to the next level because the level the level changes, the game changes. That you you there are certain people in your childhood that if you if 
if you're seen with those people now, it's like what what are you doing? Like you, it's not because those people there's not, but those people have to up their level too. Otherwise, you know, yeah. you see, you're not, otherwise you get yeah. held back. Like I've had different phases in my life where I've done things like some of my school friends now, like we're still really close, but. I'll maybe not. I'll maybe speak to them once every six months or, or whatever. But then I've also had friends along the lines, like you know, like I said about I had mm-hmm. my mate who used to drive us to the clubs. I've had yeah. mates that I used to do the clubs with, whereas I don't really speak to them now. Yeah, because that was my life then, and now you've evolved. And, and now I've had enough of that. You can't do that anymore. And you know, if you stay with them, like they stay on that path. They still party. They still drink. They still doing that. And if you were still there you'd still be doing that. Whereas if you want to get somewhere, you need to evolve and you need to push yourself and you need to keep keep moving forward. Like if I was still going out to clubs every weekend now, drinking and trying to take girls back and stuff that I used to do when I was in my early 20s, my life would be shit. I, th- I think I think you got to leave, I think a ma- especially as a man, you've got to leave your 20s and your 20s. And you got to leave your thirties and your forties. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean, like when you're forty, you yeah. leave your thirties and your thirties. Yeah. And I think as you go through the levels, the way you dress, the way you move, the way you speak, the way you articulate yourself, and yeah. everything that you, and how you operate has to has to change. Because if you don't change that level, you'll not attract. Stuck. More, yeah, you're not. Yeah. You're not. You're not going to attract that abundance in your life. Yeah, one hundred percent. I really enjoyed my twenties, but I'm happy. <laughs> I oh, mate, I'm, ha- I'm I happy there. Over. there <laughs> mate, I, 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 I am happy. Like, when, when, I mean, obviously, we've both been involved in a culture, you know, as as English lads, where yeah. you can have a full time career, getting into that, into that, into that nightclubs and yeah. all this stage. You do get to a point though where you where yeah. soul destroying, and you need to push through it. And you soul destroying, break away from it. Yeah, like, I get asked to go out all the time, and I'm just like. I'd rather not. Man, I, 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 I just like traveling around doing podcasts, yeah. mate. I thought that's, that's it's good. Uh, that, that's why they do well because you enjoy doing it. And then, I love it, mate. And you're yeah. meeting different people all the time, and it's not the same. Whereas if you do something for so long, it becomes same and it becomes normal and boring. This, this is this it. is my social life. You see, because yeah. like, I just come here, like we go out, we we'll go out for Nando's after this, this, yeah. and other. People don't understand that. Like this, Griff. I just construct. <laughs> I construct my whole life around everything I want to do. Mm-hmm. Some. I was it's interesting right because on the way here one of my girlmates messaged me and she said to me I oh, went where are you and I'm like I'm, I'm in I'm in England I'm just going to Newcastle to do a podcast she says I thought you was in Dubai I was like yeah I was and she's like weren't you in Australia before I was like yeah <laughs> she says oh, I, I envy you I'm like why do you envy me for well you've been to Dubai and Australia I'm like but yeah but you're only one flight away this is what one people understand. Like, don't look at anyone like James's life or my life or anyone else's life on Instagram, or whatever. Don't look at anything like that and, and envy anything because yeah. you, 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 you're only one flight, one decision. Yeah. You're only sometimes some of you listen to this are only like literally like selling your car away from having the money to do everything you want to yeah. do. Like, you know, well, I that's, that's what I've seen with you. You were saying about your apartment, and then you've took the step of. I had to had get, to get had to lose everything. From Australia had to lose everything. Investing it into this and, and had to had to yeah. lose everything. Had to I've li- I literally had to lose everything yeah. to be able to go to this new level yeah. to get. And you you really appreciate it when you get there though. It's just, it's just a constant it's a constant evolvement. That's, yeah. what, that's what I want people to understand. It's a constant evolvement. But if there's one piece of wisdom, one pearl that you could leave this audience to help them break patterns and flip perspectives in their life, what would it be for you? You can't take nothing physical with you. It's just like, leave them a piece of wisdom. I just think nothing's out of reach. Like, your dreams are never big enough. Like, 
there's not one thing you just don't put yourself off by thinking oh this is what I really want to do but you know what I don't think I've got what it takes to do that because you can do absolutely anything that you want in life if you apply yourself and and you go for it I love it mate I love it I think I think yeah. I think all of you that listen to this and and obviously take the time to watch this episode to the end of I hope you've got some massive value out of this and everything James has said I I know wholeheartedly what he's what he's telling you is true because I'm I'm trying to live that life myself, you know, just trying to follow my purpose. Try and I want and I want all of you to understand that, you know, the, the more purpose, the more purpose you look to pursue in your life, the more things that you where you follow your actual gut, you you you'll you'll, you'll find you'll find some a lot more joy in that. Do you know what I mean? You'll find a, lo- a lot more wholeness, and it'll and you'll be a lot happier. And don't and don't ever think you're you're never as far away from from the life that you want to create than you think. And, and because I see some people out there that ask me advice and they say, oh, I want to, oh, I'd love to live in the Gold Coast. They might live in Melbourne or I'd love to live in London, but I live in Newcastle. It's like, yeah, but all you got to do is sell that Merc that you've got yeah. on the finance and, yeah. and, and, and you, you've got three months rent. No, do you know what I, I mean? Know. And do you know what? Even if you try it and you get that flight and you go over and it doesn't work out, at least for then the next 10 years, you're not going, oh, I wish I'd have done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, got to try something and as I said it's all about when you get there making them relationships that's what I've found for me making relationships with people and putting myself out there and talking and that's what gets you like where you want because yeah. you don't know who you're going to bump into and have a conversation with that has got that contact to set you up with such and yeah, such yeah, yeah, yeah. and help you down the line and give you a bit of advice like I've found that along the way like the, the most things that have benefited me is bumping into random people that you would never have expected to have you. See, I just don't think anything in life is random as you think. Yeah, I know what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, like I, everything I, happens for a reason. That I, is one thing yeah. I believe in. But like, it's just like what you said before, you're never as far away from you go. your goal because it might just take bumping into someone or it might just be watching a podcast and something just to click in your mind and go, do you know what, I've never tried it this way or what if I do this? Just do it, man. Epic, bro, epic. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, and obviously we're we're going off to Nando's, guys. But, <laughs> but can you can you do guys? Look, I don't ask you for a lot. Right? I don't ask you for a lot, but I'm going to ask you for a little bit right now. Yeah, like ninety nine percent of the people that watch this on YouTube, for argument's sake, aren't subscribed to the podcast, but yet they continually watch the podcast, but they're not subscribed. I'd like to bring that down to like let's get it down to like eighty five percent, eighty percent. The more people that are subscribed to the channel. The, the the bigger and better conversations that I can book for you and everything else it, it really helps out a lot and if you're not already subscribed on Apple Spotify wherever you're listening to do that as well drop me and James a message let us know what you've got out of this podcast and how and how it's been received for you I hope you've got as as much wisdom I hope you're enjoying the new level of production I hope you're watching this on YouTube and I hope you smash life much love guys do me a solid favor drop a comment below this video and let us know who you want on the podcast next.